Thanks for your prayers for my son. We're just trying to discern what's going on with his infection in his foot. So he's currently in hospital, but we'll see. Hopefully he'll be out soon. But we trust the Lord is sovereign over all things. That's not just a nice little slogan. We trust, um, look, it, the sooner you can embrace that right there, that God is sovereign over all things, the more that you'll be able to see through a lens both suffering and pain and illness and good and bad and everything in between. And so we trust that the Lord is good. And, um, but I do appreciate your prayers for Josiah. And, um, you know, oddly enough, his name means Yah. His name means Yah. Anyway, his name means Yahweh heals. So, you know, pray the Lord to heal him. So, um, there you go. Anyway, that's not a claiming, by the way. That's just simply like Hebrew literally means Yahweh heals. That's, that's what his name means in, in Hebrew. Because the King Josiah actually um, looked around and saw heaps of idols in his day and was like, break these. Break these things down, right? And healed the land. Um, so pretty cool. That's, that's, uh, that's where I got his name from. So um, we've been doing a, just a short little series. We're going to jump back into the gospel of Matthew next week. Um, excited. We're going to be looking at Matthew uh, 18, which is just an, a fabulous passage. And we're going to continue on to the gospel of Matthew. Personally, one of my favorite gospels, although I'll probably say that about all of them. But Matthew is just... Such a good book. Such, it's the people of God are not defined by Jewish ethnicity, but by faith in Christ. I think that's the point of Matthew. Um, I love the Gospel of Matthew. It is just, Matthew looks forward and backward. I won't steal Dan's thunder because he's going to be taking us away and launching us right into Matthew 18. As we think about the church um, and the importance of what the church is and how we're to believe and behave and all those things. So um, looking forward to it as we think about the tough words of Jesus, and uh, it should be good. Uh, you know, what we've been doing the last few weeks, I was just thinking and I guess reminding ourselves of a few important things as a church. So, so why do we sing, right? Why, why, do, why, do, we, why do we bother singing? Um, we, it's asked three questions. Why do we sing? Why do we gather? We looked at that last week. Uh, and then just kind of wrapping up this quick little series today is why do we evangelize? Why do we do this thing called evangelism? Now, I'm curious when you hear the word evangelist, uh, what comes to your mind? Maybe immediately you picture, for those of you that are a bit older perhaps, you imagine Billy Graham, right? Preaching in a packed stadium, you know? Uh, maybe that gives you a, a, an idea. Uh, that would be a, a positive side of, of the term evangelist. Maybe some of you have a bad taste in your mouth when you hear the term because you think of a televangelist who swindles people out of money. And you're like, well, that's, I don't really like the term evangelist. Um, putting aside, though, the negative and the positive stereotypes, when you think about evangelism, particularly your personal role in it, Okay, so when you think about evangelism, like your own, like, it's easy to sort of, I guess, sit, sit on the sidelines and fling mud and say, well, that's good or that's bad. But for you, for your own personal role in evangelism, I wonder how you feel about that. Like, in other words, if I said, okay, everybody stand up, we're not going to do this, but if I said, okay, everybody stand up, we're going to walk over to Wyoming Shops. And everyone we interact with on the way at Aldi or wherever, even BP station, we are going to do this thing, evangelism. I wonder, how, I wonder what sort of range of emotions you'd be experiencing. If say, all, right, all right, that's it. Everyone stand up. Here we go. Off we go. We're, we're going we're gonna to evangelize. What would be going through your mind? Maybe, maybe fear, maybe guilt because you've never done something like this, maybe excitement, angst, Maybe insecurity, what am I going to say? Um, if you've been around church long enough, though, we're not, again, we're not going to go do all of that, but if you've been around church long enough, you know that this word evangelism or evangelist, is, it's, not, it's not uncommon, right? We hear that a lot, like, like a whole lot. But the question is then, what is evangelism? Because we hear that. Oh, I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing evangelism. And okay, so what, so what does that mean? 
What is evangelism? Is, is evangelism just being nice? You know, just, just being lovely with people? That's what some people think evangelism is. It's just, just, just being kind. Now, you shouldn't be a jerk. But, but is evangelism just being nice? You know, just, just oh, it's lovely. It's nice. Um, is, is, or is, does evangelism actually re- require words? Right? So, so, so what is evangelism? And then, who is called to evangelize? So pretty simple. As we wrap up today's little Why Do We Do series, this is uh, what is evangelism and, and why should we do it, I guess? Or who is called to do it? So with that said, let's, um, we'll look at Romans here in just a minute, but let's, uh, let's look to the Lord first in prayer and ask Him to bless our time. Father, we thank you for this opportunity and this privilege to gather as your people around your word. Lord, we do ask that, that through this thing called preaching, through the voice of a mere man, would you conduct that divine dialogue in our souls, showing us Christ. Lord, remind us of the need that we have all around us of lost souls, Lord, that need to hear the saving gospel message of Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. So um, for those of you that are not aware, I did not grow up in a Christian home. Um, I was saved at the age of 17, and, uh, you know, it was by reading the Bible, actually, that I became a Christian. Um, I was a, still am, sanctified, but selfish punk and arrogant and everything else, uh, didn't see a need for uh, any religion, very much typical of I guess many Aussies today, if you have a question like, oh, you go to church? Oh, look, I'm not, yeah, nah, I'm not religious. You hear that? Yeah, yeah, I'm good, I'm good. Very self-sufficient, right? I don't, I don't need, don't, I, don't, I don't need stuff, I'm, I'm, I'm content. So I don't need religion, I don't need your Christianity. It's good for you, but I don't need that. That was very much my approach to life. I had uh, friends and family and surf and, and, and all the things that you could want as a teenager. But uh, as, I was read, as I was reading the scriptures, I was convicted, understanding the, the weight of my sin, actually, understanding who God is in his character, that he's holy, and the need to actually turn to Christ, that only through Christ and through faith in Jesus could I be forgiven and saved. So honestly, I was not seeking God at all, I'm not a little, you know, nice little conservative Baptist boy that grew up in a Baptist church or something like that. Oddly enough, not that's what I am now. But, um, you know, I, 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 it's not like, you know, I, was, I, I went to these Billy Graham crusades or somebody, you know, I, I just, it was, it was reading the scriptures and understanding my need to turn to Christ, that God saved me. I, would have, I did not want, I started out in that adventure, like Ellie asked me the other day, she goes, Dad, what did you think about God and and Jesus, before you're a Christian, I, th- I said I thought the whole thing was dumb and it was made up, Ellie. And people that believed that were just the really pathetic people over in the corner over there. And they're to be pitied, really. Um, and she's like, that's not very nice. I was like, well, that's, that's what I thought, honey. That's what I thought. And so, um, but as I read the Bible, I began to understand that actually I've sinned and I've offended God and that I need Christ. And she's like, well, that's good. And I was like, yeah, and God gave me eyes to see that. Your dad did not want that. And so, here's the deal. When I first became a Christian, I was just absolutely floored that God would save me. Like I said, I wasn't seeking God. The Lord sought me. And when I became a Christian, I wanted to share this message, this saving message of the gospel, with every single person that I came in contact with, as best I could. And so, I was in grade 12, and it made sense, like, the, this is the way I saw it. If most of these people in this high school, according to the Bible, are going to hell, would it, how in the world, I mean, it would be the most sadistic thing in the world to hide that. It's like someone's in a burning house and you're like, I don't want to judge them. Look, if, maybe they like the fire. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's their identity, after all, being in a burning house. That's just ridiculous. So I was just walking up to everyone I knew, and, and I'd be like, hey, bro, you know, uh, tell me about your life, and just listening. And, and I'm like, see, what, 
what you need is, is Christ, and you need forgiveness. And, and I, we're friends, probably not after this, but we're, we're friends. And you're, you've filled your life trying to be sponsored by, you know, you're a good surfer, better than me, blah, blah, blah. And you've filled your life trying to be sponsored, and you've reached that goal now. You won, you know, all these contests, da-da-da-da-da. And I know, I know you've told me. You told me just a few weeks ago that it's all rubbish, and you just, you feel that this is all in vain, and da-da-da. And that's because you are made to know God. You're made to enjoy Him. You're made to be in right relationship with Him. And it's, you can through Jesus. And I, I, in the back of my mind, I remember thinking, well, I'm going to start with some of my surfer buddies because they're, the, they're easy, low-hanging fruit because you just want to find someone that's like a pirate these days and just look for a surfer. They sail the seven seas, they look for rum, and they don't want to work. And those are, and those are surfers, right? And so I was like, that's sort of low-hanging fruit um, and not a whole lot of probably intellectual you know, thinking there, so I can just go for it really quick and I can explain it to them, Okay. That's my whole world. I, I grew up, my dad, mom surfs there, and all that stuff. Okay? So, you know, don't be mad at me. It's just, that's the world I came from. So, um, so I'm starting with them, and I'm starting with some of these guys, and I'm like, hey, let's see this guy going to come to Christ. And it was like, no, I'm good. I was like, what, what, what do you mean? I've, I've just clearly explained to you why this entire ocean that you're sitting in exists, who made it, how you're accountable to this God Etc. What do you mean? I'm good. You're not good. It's the fact that you're not good that you need to be saved. And oh no, what I mean is, I think that faith, that Christianity, it's nice for you. I'm, I can't be bothered. What do you mean you can't be bothered? You need to be bothered. You know, and I'm getting like really hot and bothered in my wedding, sitting there going, oh, how can this? I'm st- I cannot believe I'm standing in front of this person who, yeah, this is just shocking. So I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to give it time because I, I have in my mind, I have in my mind, this person, they just need to sleep on it, and I'm going to move on to someone so in my chemistry class, and I'm going to, actually, they, they, they thought a lot about science, and so this just, to me, the human body and, and the entire cosmos and everything, this is just, it's so obvious there's a God. So this is going to be the easiest person in the world. I can, I can and they've, they've even admitted, admitted, by Darwin's theory of evolution, they've seen holes in it, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, they, they, everything goes from a state of order to chaos, second law of thermodynamics. They've said that with me, so they, they're seeing the contradiction of evolution. So there's a segue, bang, and this person's going to become a Christian. So there I am in my chemistry class, and it's like, yeah, no, same sort of thing. And, and I'm beginning to get really frustrated, and I'm going, ah, this is the greatest news in the world. How can you not... And I'd, so I'd share, this is how I became a Christian, and it was the same sort of thing. Well, that's nice for you. And honestly, in the back of my mind, I remember thinking, again, let them sleep on it, but I, I bet you most of the people, why wouldn't they in this entire grade 12, before I graduate, I'm going to be looking out on the sea of people, and I'm going to say, praise God, we're, we're all saved now, because why wouldn't you be? Why wouldn't you become Christians, right? And I just remember being floored now, some, of, some people, praise God, did respond. Some people actually became Christians. My friend Damien be, like, became a Christian. And, and it was amazing. And other guys, same, nah, no, no, thank you. So I, was, I left high school feeling a bit, ah, oh, I got partly encouraged because like, there was some breakthrough with a handful of people, but I thought, well, maybe what I need to do is change my tact right? So people want to, uh, I need to sort of get, I need to be better equipped. So I was like, I went to the local Christian bookstore and I was like, I want to, I, I need to give evidence for why we believe. And so this person handed me this book and it's called The Kingdom of the Cults. And, um, and, and this was a helpful book, like Walter Martin, right? And, and I was like, yep, I'm going to basically, I'm going to argue people into the, into the kingdom of God, right? And, th- and that's what I'm going to do. So then, and then they handed me this book, Reason to Believe by R.C. Sproul. Again, another helpful, another helpful book as well. So I, I crushed those. Uh, Josh McDowell, he, he did uh, More Than a Carpenter as well as A Ready Defense. So this book was helpful. Um, you can even see my little, I've got some pretty embarrassing little markups in here. You know, like, take that, Carson. You know, like, um, but, but I was like, you know, hey, the resurrection of Jesus, right? Just flipped open to that. There is proof. 
you know, and I'd, you know, according to Josephus, and, da, 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 and I was like, I've got it, right? Unfortunately, though, I still, I got some ground with people. I was able to sort of um, take down the local Jehovah Witness or Mormon or, or whatever, take down, right? That's really loving, but, you know, it's like, didn't really, it, I still, I still was thinking, okay, well, I shared my testimony, and I've done that, and, and, I've, and I've tried what's called apologetics, and, and that's been helpful to a degree. But it's still, I'm still not really clear on what I'm to be doing here. Like, am I going to be, like, sharing testimony is fine, doing apologetics is good and helpful, but what is, what am I, what is, what is evangelism? Like, like what, what am I aiming, what target am I shooting at here? So, evangelism Simply put, is sharing the gospel with an aim to persuade? So once that penny dropped for me, I was like, this is actually really helpful. What am I doing in evangelism? I am sharing the gospel with an aim to persuade. It's that simple. You could add more to that in sentences, and, but when you boil it down, I'm, I'm sharing the gospel with this person with an aim to persuade. That's actually what I want to do this morning, is break down that sentence, sharing the gospel with an aim to persuade. Let me start off by saying this. There is no evangelism without sharing words, okay? There is no evangelism. You know, people say, I'm doing pre-evangelism. I know a bloke on the coast, he does barbecues for people so that they'll come to the barbecues and then come to his ministry. And he says, this is pre-evangelism. There's nothing wrong with having a barbecue for people, but that's not, that's not doing evangelism, just feeding people. And, and, and we have to understand the depth of a sinner's heart, right? And that they're depraved. And so whilst there's nothing, don't get me wrong, there's nothing inherently evil about doing a bar Barbie for people, but, but pre-evangelism, I, I guess, where is that going? Are, are we eventually going to get to the place where we are having conversations, we're sharing the good news of the gospel with an aim to persuade? That, that's what we're after here. So let's, let's look at our Bibles here in Romans 10. In Romans 10, Paul reveals that his heart is shattered. He's, he's utterly devastated that so many of his fellow Jews are lost. Look what he says, brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them, that being his fellow Jews, is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. So what is Paul saying here? As he reflects upon his fellow Jews, he says, no doubt, no doubt, they don't, you know, they've got the zeal, but what they do lack is true knowledge. So they've got the zeal, they don't have the proper knowledge. So how can that be flipped? Well, as the book of Joel says, they need to call on the name of the Lord, which is another way of saying they need to have faith in Christ or believe in Jesus. And by the way, not only the Jews, look at verse 13. If you're looking at your Bible, notice in verse 13 the word everyone, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Isn't that what he said? My heart's desire is that they'll be saved. And then in verse 13, everyone, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, in verse 12, he's just lumped together both Jews and non-Jews by using this word all. So salvation is available to anybody who calls on the name of the Lord. But listen, that's, that praise God for that. But this can't happen. In fact, this won't happen without trusting in Jesus. But believing in Him cannot occur unless they hear about Him, right? And how is that going to come about? unless someone shares the good news with them. Hence the reason Paul, look at this rapid-fire rhetorical questions that he begins to ask here in verse 14. Look what he says. How then 
will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to, and how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Can, can you see what he's getting at? If someone is to be saved, someone must be sent. It's not rocket science, right? And then that sent person must make sure that they are just really nice all the time and that wins them to Jesus. Just smile all the time. Just be lovely. No. Preach the gospel. The gospel, aoangelion, means good news. To herald, that's what the word preach means, proclaim, herald, to herald the good news. And those who hear it must believe in order to be saved. Look how verse 17 sums it up. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. You see, faith cannot occur without hearing the gospel. You cannot be saved without hearing and understanding and responding to the gospel. There's a famous evangelist many years ago, a guy named George Whitfield. He used to travel all around the place. This is way before Billy Graham, and he drew crowds arguably probably bigger, I know that, at least in his day, than Billy Graham. And he's a British bloke, George Whitfield. He was trained in theater, which is interesting. He used to, so when he would preach, he was, he was very theatrical, right? So I feel justified in my own theater here, right? And in fact, he was so theatrical that there used to be this, Spurgeon talk, shared this one story about him, and there was these little group of, of rat bags that would follow him along, around as Whitfield would preach either at a church, often in open fields, because the crowds were so big you couldn't pack them in a church. And there'd be this group of guys, and they'd mock him all the time. And, and one guy in particular, kind of the, the leader of this, little, of this little gang, was good at mimicking the way Whitfield would pronounce words and use his hands. And, and there's a story where they, you know, Whitfield starts preaching, and these guys are off to the side, and Here's the ringleader, and he's like, you know, just whatever, whatever Whitfield's doing, right? Jesus, Jesus, you know, and he's, and he's, but here's the interesting, as he's listening, because obviously he's trying to copy him, right? Mimic him. And then, as he's doing that, he kind of stops, sits down, starts listening, and gets saved, <laughs> Like, actually was convicted of his sin, understood the need to turn to Christ and becomes a Christian. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Now, have you ever heard this little slogan before? Preach the gospel at all times. Use words if necessary. Have you heard that before? Now, some people will try to um, push that into Francis of Assisi. We actually don't know if he ever said that. But maybe it's just, maybe it's just people that are too scared. And then they actually try to grab that slogan and wear that. Preach the gospel at all times. Use words if necessary. Now, think about this, church. Put that phrase, line that up with what Paul's saying here. What do you reckon? No. No, it doesn't work. It's simply impossible to preach the gospel without words. The gospel is inherently verbal. You with me? Evangelism is sharing the gospel. Now, all right, that begs the question then. If evangelism is sharing the gospel, what is the gospel? What is the gospel? Now, let me, I've used this before, and those of you that have been through our membership course, this is what we do. We didn't make this up, by the way, but this is a helpful way to summarize the gospel. Four things, God, man, Christ, response. God, man, Christ, response. So when we think about the gospel, we have to think about at least 
those obviously could be more, but at least those four things. God is the creator, man is a sinner, Christ the redeemer, and now we need a response in faith and and repentance. God, man, Christ, response. Now, you've heard this before, but I was thinking about it when I was actually at like 2.30 this morning in hospital, and I was thinking, maybe it'd be helpful if I kind of got you into got you into my skin. And I mean that in sort of a, not in a, uh, because I'm the greatest evangelist known to man or something like that, but, but I do share the gospel a lot with people. Like if you've ever followed me around for like a day or a week, I'm constantly trying to interact with neighbors and friends and acquaintances at the shops. And I, I was interacting just a few days ago with my next door neighbor. They just, it's a family that just moved up from Coogee Beach. And, um, and we are interacting with them, and they're a lovely family. And I was thinking, as I was interacting with her, because our kids are out in the front playing, and I had this grid running in my mind, God, man, Christ response. Okay? So I only share that, not because she didn't drop her knees and say, what must I do to be saved? Um, but I, in the back of my mind, I'm running through this grid. Let, let me... Let me sh- as, so let me go through God, man, Christ's response. And as you think about someone that needs to hear the gospel, you got to keep that grid either like as, as a lens or in the back of your mind, whatever, whatever term you know, that's helpful for you, you have to sort of keep that grid there. So I'll, I'll refer to this conversation I just had a few days ago. Okay, again, it's not like she'll be here being baptized next week. Praise, I mean, that'd be amazing. And we can pray for that. But I'll, I just want to show you the grid I was going through as I was trying to share the gospel there. Sound good? So, so let's start. God. So the gospel begins with God. God, He is our creator. He is holy and just and one day will execute perfect justice. Now, listen, when you interact with people, here's a fact. You ever heard the cheeky phrase, facts don't care about feelings and all that stuff. But, but seriously, here, here's, here's, the, here's the reality. The person that you're interacting with is created by God and therefore accountable to God, irregardless of whatever they believe. You get my answer. So if you're sitting on a plane or if you're sitting on a train or a bus or if you're sitting at a barbecue this afternoon, the person that you're interacting with, because God's made them, that individual that you're talking to, that individual has worth and dignity and value, So treat him as such, by the way. But that person is accountable to God for the choices that they've made. Do you understand? I don't care. It doesn't matter how bad their life's been or whatever stitch up of a dad or a mom they had. They still are accountable to God for their sin. So so don't, don't like, because here's the problem. You can get sidetracked. You can get quite sidetracked when they start saying, oh, you know, I've had a horrible life and blah, 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 blah. And you want to empathize with the person. That may be true. It's probably true. But that doesn't negate the fact that they're still accountable to God for their behavior. You with me? Like, we we don't want to just say, oh, and then just sort of go down this trail with him. Oh, gosh, oh. Yeah, and and then if they're careful, listen, I don't think they're intentionally doing this, but they can suck you into, not, again, I I don't think it's as a conscious thing, probably more subconscious, they can suck you into, you're, you're so deep, deeply ingrained in their, in their story that you almost forget that they're accountable for their sin. Does that make sense? You're, you're like, oh, man. Oh, your dad sounds horrible. Oh, your mom. Oh, it's awful. Your brother. What a rat bag. You know? and, and, we're, and again, we want to listen well, but don't forget the person you're talking to is made in God's image and therefore accountable to his or her creator. And God won't, on judgment day, God won't say, oh, look, I get it. You've had, a, you've had a real stitch up of a life. You've made some bad, you know, some less than ideal choices, but, but your life, oh, oh. No, they're accountable to God. They will be judged, and they will experience his full wrath if they don't turn to him, which leads to our next one. God, man, man. So man, people are, are made in the image of God, Again, they're beautiful and amazing creatures with dignity, worth, and value. But 
because of our sinful rebellion, we have turned from being his children. In fact, by nature, the Bible says, we are children of wrath. We are not born innocent. Uh, again, I'm in the pediatric ward last night, and it was really sad because there's just there's some babies that are in there that are sick. Um, but there's some new beautiful babies. You see them walking around, right? And, and they're beautifully made in God's image, but they're not innocent. I know we want to think that. Oh, they're innocent. No, they are a viper and a diaper. Okay? They, they are, by nature, like you and I, in sin did my mother conceive me. Right? We, we are by nature, by our very... And look, if you have a problem with that, listen, in sin, David says, did my mother conceive me. That we are by nature children of wrath. If you have a problem with that, I just don't think... The reason that you're kind of squirming is because you have a presupposition that's just unbiblical. Can I just be that direct with you? The reason that you're like, I don't like that, it's because you're reading the Bible through Oprah's lens or whatever you're reading it through. I'm not trying to be a jerk here. I'm just saying you need to think and put yourself, what does the Bible say? That we are born depraved sinners. That doesn't negate the fact that baby's beautiful. You shouldn't grab and say, this thing's a viper and a diaper. Like, just don't be a human being, right? Seeing that God's, and those babies are so precious and beautiful. But that baby is not inherently innocent. That baby is a sinner like you and like me. And if, you've, if you're a parent, you know exactly. I mean, it's only out of time to you're changing the nappy and, you know? <laughs> and it's just, that's, that's how it goes. Or maybe it's just my kids. Yeah, so, yeah, not just you, sweetheart. All right, so, but here's the deal. Man is a sinner, okay? We, we are born depraved. We are born wicked. We, we sin both by our own volition we, we, we are not, we, that doesn't mean that we're as bad as we could be, by the way. So I'm not saying that, we, that's not say, but, but there's nothing inherently good in us. That flies in the face of so much of what society tells you today, right? There is no one who does good, no, not one. Romans 3, quoting... Psalm 14, no one who does good, all have turned away. All have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. So we, we need a redeemer. And that's where Christ comes in. God, man, Christ. Christ is the son of God whose sinless life gives him the ability to become the perfect sacrifice. Through his death on the cross, he ransomed sinful people. Christ paid for the sins of all who come to him by faith. God, man, Christ. So when I'm interacting with my neighbor, I don't say, you've been born in sin. I don't, I don't do that. So, but she's immediately going to, oh, I had this weird experience at this I grew up going to Mass and blah, blah, blah. And I'm hearing all that, so I'm thinking, oh, yeah, that, that's really unfortunate. Oh, what a shame. That's, yeah, that's a terrible experience. Da, da, da. But I haven't, I've kept the grid over her that says, guilty sinner needs Jesus. You get it? Like, I haven't lost that. I haven't been swept into the vortex of her own psychological felt needs. I, I've, I've actually kept in the forefront, this gal, made in God's image, has fallen is sinful, needs Christ. And so what I did, and then, so let me explain this as well. At some point in the conversation, I, I could tell, you have to listen well too. Here's the thing. We're coming with God, man, Christ response, but you're listening. You just list, just, just ask questions. You just need to just, so, so why do you think? How come? Why is that? Do you know who models that very well is Dan Kinney? You know, like Dan does that a, a very, very good job. Just, just, you know, so we're listening without getting sucked into the vortex. But I, one of the things I was listening, when I was listening to her, she said, oh, so, so you believe, so you believe, she wasn't like arcing up on me, but she, I, I could sense that she wanted to kind of catch me in, so she said, oh, so um, you, you believe 
Because I was trying to explain to her that because of Christ, anyone that turns, you know, tends to all who call on the name of the Lord, I said, even as someone as wicked as Hitler, had Hitler actually turned to Christ? I don't think he did. And she goes, oh, so you think Hitler's in heaven? I said, no, I don't think so. I think there would have been some evidence of that, da, 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 da. She's like, oh, so, but what about, so isn't God loving? So, so you think all people are going to hell? So you think this? So you, see, so, so I think the conversation's changed at that point where she's trying to put me in the dock a bit. Do you hear it? And rather than say, I do believe it. I could do that. I'm not scared to say that, but I, what did I do? I'm I, as quickly as, oh, because I think what she's looking for, and I think what most Aussies are looking for, is an excuse not to investigate the things of God, an excuse not to come to church. I really do. And so what, what she's trying to do is for me to say something like this. Yeah, this whole street's going to burn in here. You know, or if she can at least interpret it that way. And then say, I'm never going to that guy's church. He thinks we're all going to go to hell. Right? And then she goes and tells her friends about that. Yeah, sit next, this, our next door neighbor's a minister. And he said, they're all going to go to hell. I'm never going to church. So, and it's just, but it would be like a half truth that she'd blow up. You see what I'm saying? I hope she's not listening to this right now. <laughs> I love you. Yeah. Don't, anyway. But, but you see, what I did was this. As soon as she... As soon as she started saying, oh, you believe, you believe, I didn't say, oh, I'm going to pull out. Let me encourage you with this, okay? I didn't need to pull out Greek or I didn't need to pull out some crazy apologetics. One simple verse. And, and most of you, are, if you're a believer, you should know this. John 14, 6. You've heard this before. She said, oh, so you believe that. I said, Jesus said that he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. And no one comes to the Father but through him. And she's like, well, that's, that's really exclusive. I said, extremely, extremely. Do you see how Jesus isn't saying, hey, if you're a part of Islam or if you're a Hindu, if you're a Buddhist, all good, all roads lead to heaven. No, Jesus said he's the way, the truth, and the life. And then she said, and then I can tell this is just a smokescreen. She just said, well, I, I kind of take a bit from all religions. And I said, oh, okay. So then rather than me like, yeah, right. I'm stumped. I just, I just asked a question. I just said, I'm curious, because I, I wasn't trying to be a jerk. I said, I'm curious what you take from Islam. What do you take from Islam? She's like, uh, which, what's that one again? <laughs> and so I explained to her. I said, well, here's what Islam is to the best. And again, you don't need to understand all, you know, you can say, how about we ha investigate that together? We can have a look at that. Let's compare Islam and Christianity. They're vastly different. And, and by the way, when Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father but through him, when Christians say that Jesus is the way, Jesus is the only pathway to heaven, do you know that we're not the only ones that are being exclusive here? Do you know that a, a Muslim wouldn't say, yeah, I feel like we're on the same page? Like we're totally like, they're just as intolerant as we are. You see what I'm saying? It's just the mystic religions that will accept you, or the mystic Christians. I won't go on that rant. So God, man, Christ, and I didn't get to this place with her. Actually, I did to a small degree. Response. So where I left it was, because um, her baby was starting to cry, she needed to go, but I said, hey, you know what would be great, is I'd love to talk more about this. What do you, I guess, what are we going to do with all this information? So... You know, God's created us, da-da-da. Again, you guys, you, you know, you've known a handful of verses. It, this isn't rocket science. You know that God, if you just run through this grid, God, man, Christ, response, any, most of you that are believers, you could do this. Seriously, just encourage you. You, you don't need a, a seminary degree. I didn't quote Greek to her or Hebrew or quote Bavink to her or any of those things. It's just, it was that, you have the gospel. And, and, and so I just was like, well, you know what would be great is, you know, Jesus actually, he's not indifferent the way that we respond to him. Jesus said, you're either for me or against me. So that's a very easy passage. Jesus said, you're either for me or against me because, and I press that to, I press that to almost every Aussie that I encounter because, you know, they are just indifferent. Like, yeah, 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 nah. Yeah, nah, right? Nope, Jesus, so you're against him then. I'm not against him. Yes, you are. 
Jesus said you're either, and again, you don't have to like grab by the shirt collar to say that, but you're just, you're pressing home the point. It's unloving for you to kind of go, well, oh, oh, yeah, I just, you need to like, I, so I want you, now that you've understood this, I want you to understand that you're actually at this stage reject, rejecting Jesus. Again, you don't have to say it with the, with the hands and, and all that stuff, and that's just, leave that for the weird Americans to, do, to, to be intense and, rah, and all that kind of stuff. You guys do it your way, okay? You do it in your culture. You do it your style. But, it, but response is faith, faith in Christ. Returning from your sin. And so the way that I left it with my neighbor was, I, hey, look, I've got it, and I didn't have one, but I have a little simple blue and yellow little two ways to live track. I've talked about these before. I said, oh, I'd love to, your husband should be home right, pretty soon. I know you, oh, baby's crying. I want to be sensitive to that. Let me get you one of those. I'm actually going to grab one today to hand to her and say, why don't both you and your husband read this? And look, even if you think it's rubbish, just tell me what you honestly think and let's have a chat about it. And so, you know, we can pray for that. We can pray that she gets saved. But I, it's my job, evangelism, is sharing the gospel. What am I trying to do there? I have an intention to persuade her. I'm not, I'm not just trying to prove that I'm right or, or prove something. I'm actually, I want to see her come to Jesus. It's with an aim to persuade. Look, guys, we have to remember that everyone we talk to is headed to one of two places, eternal life or eternal punishment. Just think about that. Literally, life and death hang in the balance. Life and death hang in the balance. That's why having an aim to persuade keeps perspective. It steers us toward an end. We want to see people move from darkness to light. Don't you? Think of someone right now. Think of someone who's totally in darkness. It doesn't have to be that I don't mean that they're like on drugs or something. It might be the case. But, but think of someone right now that's you know that's not a Christian. And you know what? Let me tell you, in Australia, you only have to walk two steps and you'll interact with someone who's unregenerate here. Like, I know that's hard for you guys to understand because most of you haven't left here or all you know is here, and I'm not faulting you for that. I'm just saying, like, this place is extremely lost. That's what brought me out here five years ago. So, like, I, I moved out here to see people come to Christ, right? And I've been laboring along the last five years because I want to see people come to Jesus. And so I, this is the life or death. Hey, again, that's just me. But, but I say all that because, I, look, many of you have non-Christian friends, family members. They're never going to come here because they think, I don't know what they think. I think we're going to like, you know, make them put on a robe and be like, oh, I, I don't know. You know, or, or maybe they think we're going to make them hold a snake or take their money. I have no idea what, like, I, you know, don't know. I have no idea. But the point is they're not going to come. But what they will do is listen to you because you know them. And, and, and at least you can have a go. God, man, Christ response can be there. You, can, you know what I mean? Like that can be like you're, as you're thinking and inter- engaging with them. They're not going to come talk to me. Oh, come talk to my pastor. They're likely not going to. So, but, but you have the opportunity. And life and death hangs in the balance here. We want to persuade people to turn to Christ. Ultimately, the Spirit draws them, right? That's why we're doing, if you're like, wait, what? We preach the gospel, God saves or hardens. Come to the equip class if you'd like to talk more about that. But we are doing our best to persuade. Max Stiles helpfully puts it this way. Listen to this illustration. He says, evangelists, and that's all of us, evangelists are like trained counselors who are called upon to talk people from threatening suicide. Their aim is to talk potential jumpers off the ledge. The counselors don't use force and don't lie. They use truth, hope, and reason to persuade. They stay calm and cool. Plus, they are kind because they know a life is at stake. Just like them, we use the hope of the gospel to reason. 
We keep our cool and our kind too because we remember what is at stake. Our aim is to persuade people off the ledge and there is great relief when someone is persuaded and moves into the saving embrace of Jesus, our Savior. Picture it that way. If it, if it hasn't sunk in yet, picture the person that you're talking to is on a ledge about to jump. That, that's the kind of, and, and you're like going, okay, I, I want to be aware here, uh, but I'm also trying to persuade this person. I want to be kind, I want to listen well, and I'm going to give them hope. Hope that's only anchored in Christ and in the gospel. So what is evangelism? It's sharing the gospel with an aim to persuade. And who is called to evangelize? Just Dan and myself. So you guys, don't worry about it. That's why you pay us the big bucks. Right? No. It's not, it's not the guy that you pay. Though that's true. Woe to Dan and I if we're not preaching Christ. But shouldn't just be le- left up to the professionals. Right? It's every one of us. The whole church is called to do this. Let, let's turn, go to the left here. Notice what Jesus says in Matthew 28. So we'll whet our appetite for Matthew. It's coming next week. Into the, into the gospel. Most of us have read this, but it's just worth reading again and again. Matthew 28, starting in verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain. So end of Matthew 28, very last section of Matthew. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So this commission is for all of Jesus' disciples, those who literally heard him teach, those literally observed him walking and eating and sweating as he walked and all those things. But it's not just for them, it's for all of Jesus' followers. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You know, my prayer was for you guys, like, I can only lead a horse to water, I can't make it drink. In other words, I can only try to ex- I, in, like, give you a vision of what evangelism is and why you should be doing it. I, I, can't, I can't force you to do it. But, you know, like if, if you have this hope within you, you want to share. You want, you want people to know Christ. I wonder, I wonder if you were to have someone in your mind's eye. I won't make you text them. I did that a couple of weeks ago. Why not? I'm curious how that went, though. But I wonder if you had someone in your mind's eye right now. How is it that you're going to go about sharing the gospel with them? What, what, what plan do you have to try to see them one to Jesus? So, in fact, as we close, I'm curious. You guys can fling out some, some either questions or, or whatnot or just what your plan is moving forward and we can pray for you. And, but before we wrap up, because um, I think there's a real danger here. I, I don't think anybody's disagreeing with this. At least I hope not. If you are, I honestly question if you're saved. I really do. Like, there should be no excuse that you're like, nah, it's not for me. Like, I think Jesus made that really, really clear. And we're not to hide this under a bushel. Right? So, I, I, I think it's really, really... So we all know, we all have our marching orders. Okay? So, if, I, I'm assuming most of you aren't disagreeing with this. Like, you're like, yep. And then, the problem is, though, is... And I've been 
a part of services like this where it's like they're talking about evangelism and you're kind of, you're thinking maybe about your sister or your brother or whoever and you're like, woo, woo, get excited and then we all come up here and then we take communion and we pray and then you get in your car and then you have lunch and there it goes. So, but what are, what are you going to do? How are you going to get after this? Like, do you need to put it in your diary right now? Do you need to like, what do you need to do in order to get after this? If that person, if the person you have in your mind's eye is actually sitting on a ledge, if you really believe that, so just curious if you have, um, in general, before we close, any, any, um, any questions or anything that way that I can encourage you or maybe what your battle plan is. Not battle plan, but you know what I mean. Um, yeah, I'm just, because this is, it's worth taking just a few minutes to close up to actually have a group discussion about this. Um, evangelism is just, yeah, Petra. So, God, that's a great question. So, Petra's question is, what about someone that might have a mental condition? Um, though schizophrenia wouldn't rule someone out, obviously. Um, but look, it, it's, you have to... It, I don't mean this in a demeaning way, but with Eden right now, my, Eden is two going on 20, most of you know, my two-year-old. But what we do with Eden is... so. I was walking down to Kohl's the other day. Let me share this an anecdote, okay? And Eden, I'm not going to be like, I'm walking with her, holding her hand. I'm not going to, Eden, how are you responding to the substitutionary atonement of Jesus Christ? <laughs> She'd be like, Louie, where's Bluey? You know, <laughs> Bluey's a sinner, you know? Um, especially watching too much of Bluey. No, but, you know, so, so I'm holding her hand, and I, and I go, Eden, what, this is from Colin Buchanan, what? Can you see that God made? What can you see that God made when you're walking through the oh not the bush, it's just the sidewalk. Right? And I say, and we pull over and she goes, I like I see flowers. Look at this, Eden. God created us and God made you. And you know, we've all disobeyed God. You know, sometimes my mommy and daddy say, Don't disobey, but we've sinned against God. So what do we need to do? We need to trust in Jesus. And she's starting to understand it, right? Now, underneath that is this massive theological question about infants and people that are uh, mentally... So that's, we're not going to launch into that and give you a tweet of that. Um, I can give you books and all those things. And, but, but does that help? So, so you're trying to reason with where people are at, not being demeaning or condescending to them. But like, obviously, if someone is, is mentally uh, disabled, like, you have to read the room so to speak. You have to know where they're at. Again, like, I'm not going to, I'm like, I'm going to have a different approach, as it were. The gospel's not going to change, but like, I'm not going to be like, so did you listen to Sam Harris's last, last podcast? It was quite interesting. I was talking about that, that, huh? Like, I'm, I'm actually going to, I'm going to do that with something with actually my other neighbor, who's quite scientific and all these other things. So, make sense? Yeah, helpful. Yeah, so I think, it's a great, um, yeah, it's a great, it's a great opportunity, actually, um, and tangibly to be, to be, yeah, and, and just, just asking them and, 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 and trusting that God's sovereign over their salvation, trusting the character of God, so, yeah, anything else? It's a great question. Dan? Absolutely. So, so something, something I might just uh, have a crack at with them could be, um, hey, so you go, you know, we go to church every week. Um, we have a Bible study every Tuesday night. Like you know this about us. You mm. know I'm a pastor. We're obviously pretty committed to this stuff. What do you think we believe? That's a great question. Yeah. You were going to ask your brother that recently, weren't yeah, you? Yeah. 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 Yes. Yes. I think that's a great question. What do you? What, so we were talking about that with your brother, Dan's brother, yeah. and father and mother aren't believers, yeah, yeah. and it's a helpful thing because it, it might sound interrogating, but you can just be like someone that's like, again, this is like, I interact with so many people. If you just if you were just to follow me around, 
for a day. And I usually get this from the average Joe Blow. Yeah, not, not for me. Right? And then, I, and then I say, so what is not for you? What, what is it do you think that I'm trying to do here? Like, what, what is it? And I, then I can tell it's like, this black's too much. You know, and he's trying to, and starting to, but it's, but it's, I'm wanting, what is it that you think I believe? Like, I'm just, I'm just curious. Do you, do you, you know, I make the joke about the snakes and the, but like, like, seriously, what, what, what is it do you think? And be interesting if they say, you believe that only Jesus saves people to heaven or, you know, however they'll phrase it, right? And they'll be like, oh, that's interesting. So, so you don't believe that. No, it's not that I don't. Oh, you, you see what I mean? Then you're immediately able to maybe disarm, hopefully, and, and at least, or you can say, oh, you know, the first bit you shared was quite interesting. Let's say that they, I'm going to make this up on Thursday. They go, you believe Jesus saves and, and that only by going, people going to your church, they become a Christian. You say, that's right. No, it's not, it's not even funny. No, but we go, oh, that's not, no, sorry, that's actually not what I believe. I, I, I'm sorry if I, I apologize if I came across that way. We don't think that our church is the only church on the Central Coast by any means. Um, we believe that a church is, da, 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 or, you know, and, and the gospel actually, da, 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 you know, you see what I mean? Um, and so, is that helpful? Yeah, yeah. So but I think it's a great question. What is it do you think, honestly, if you think of like your non-Christian, some of you have non-Christian family members that are in church right now, correct? Give me a thumb up if that's the, if that's the case. Okay. So, Ross, can I pick on you? So, like, with your brother, I'd be, I'd be interested. He grew up in this church, so it's going to probably have actually a longer sentence to that. But what is it do you think I believe? And he might say, oh, you just believe a bunch of fairy tales. or He said stuff like that, right? You believe a bunch of da-da-da. Okay, why do you think that's fairy tales? Because, and again, you're not trying to, it's your approach, right? It's, it's, it's very humbling, too. I, one of the, my one of my pet peeves in life, I hate when people misquote me and misrepresent me. Boy, I want to mm, go Old Testament on people when they do that. And so it's quite humbling when people can say, well, you believe and you said this. And you just cop it on the chin and you listen well and you say, brother, well, actually, they're not a brother. You say, or maybe they're literally your brother in your case. Hey, friend, I want you to know, actually, that's not what I believe. I believe this and be patient and listen that, that's only, again, that's my own personal existential crisis that I have when people accuse me of all kinds of ridiculous things. So um, any other questions, any other thoughts, any ways that we can get after this? Gary. All right, we've got, got you guys both going after this now. <laughs> um, while I've been listening, um, it's pointing the finger at me to say you need to live out your faith inside of others because I've heard it said um, by someone that I know that he, he knew a Christian, but for the whole week, that guy was a total rat bag. Mm. You know, he, was, he was just not living out his Christianity. He was a total rat bag. Yep. But this guy said, but on Sundays, he would go to church. But for the rest of the week, he was, he was a terror. Was a hip- to work for and live under. Hypocrite. Yeah. So I think it's... Uh, message to me, maybe everyone else here, is is to try and live out your faith to your neighbours and the people that you know as well, mm. you know, um, so that they can't, you know, they, they may do, you know, point the finger and say, oh, yeah, but, you know, I don't see that in your life, you know. And that's, and that's a fair, so Gary was like, what about people that are two-faced, hypocritical, whatever? Obviously, we want that person that calls themselves a Christian, um, to understand that this is not just coming to church. This is a holistic thing. I would say for the rest, for most people, too, like this is why the gospel is not just getting you into heaven. Eternal life is a way to live. In other words, it's the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. So the gospel is not just the A, B, C, it's the A to Z right? So like, I jokingly say to people, but I really mean it, when they go, hey mate, how are ya? And I say, oh, better than I deserve, right? And they go, because I really mean that. Like, I really, truly mean that. Like, and, and sometimes people will be like, what do you, what do you mean? 
And then it's like, ooh, ooh an opportunity. <laughs> gotcha. You know? Um, never going to ask me that again. Right? But, um, but, but I mean that. Like, my, my, the gospel is not something that I graduated from, nor will I ever graduate from. He who began a good work in me will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That I remain a sinner in need of God's grace, even though I'm still his child and able to call him Abba Father by the Holy Spirit through faith, Romans 8, right? But I don't, it's not, I don't, I'm not going to wake up tomorrow and be like, oh, I, if I do, I've got it wrong. And be like, oh, yeah, I've done all of that. I'm moving on to more exciting things, the how-tos of discipleship or whatever, something nonsense. Like, I, I, I actually need the gospel. We're sharing, for instance, let me give you an example, another anecdote. We're sharing this hospital room. Some very interesting people across from us, right? But they're stressed, right? I get that. Hospital's a very stressful place. People are very undone. So, yeah, it's been interesting to have a conversation, you know, I'm not having conversations, but loving these people. But it would be very easy for me to be quite smug and self-righteous and say, don't they see da-da-da-da-da? No, they don't. No, they don't. They need Jesus, just like you do. And the only reason that you're not being undone and being a tool right now is because you're anchored in Christ. That's it. So if they're the grace of God, goes you. See what I mean? Like, it's, it's that. Op- so, like, when I'm interacting with my neighbor the other day, right, it was quite interesting because how she had no clue about, like, I said, <laughs> I said, I said, um, she said, oh, what's your church like? I said, we're Protestant. She goes, oh, so you're not Christian. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> it's amazing. Guys, this, welcome to your country. Like, seriously, that's the, I, and I'm like, oh, no, no, sorry. 500 years ago, there was a reformation that happened. And I'm like, oh, crumbs. How am I going to quickly... Ca- and, and I'm like, 500 years ago, I said, well, we're not Catholic. And she's like, oh, but you're Christian. I was like, yes, we're, and I don't want to say then, we're evangelical. And it's like, not because hopefully we are, but then it's like, well, what the heck is that word? You, you see what I mean? Like, so um, I'm not seeing her. It's just like, oh, I can't believe this person. I'm actually like, man, this, this gal is so lost. She doesn't even have a clue about the basic fundamentals of even like Christendom. You see what I mean? And, and that would be me. I didn't grow up in church and all those things. So I'm seeing that through that lens. Does that, that help? Yeah, because I've heard it said also by somebody who said, I noticed something different about you. Yeah, that's in right. Amongst, in amongst the workplace, I, I've noticed something different about you. That's right. So oh, you, have to, you have to look at it. So Peter says, always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that's within you. Right? So... Anybody ask you about that hope recently? <laughs> right? Like, in other words, like, if, if they're not seeing it, like, that there absolutely should be salt in life. Like, and I hope any person that I'm pastoring here at this church, um, and this is the beautiful thing about church membership, is we do this together as a church family, is not off just compartmentalizing their faith, um, and just they come tick a box on Sunday, but what church membership does is it actually says we are all in this together as a church family, right? We, we will pray for the salvation of our family and friends. That's, that's what it says in our church covenant. So like those that are, you, that are members, like you, you signed up for that. You signed up for that. And it's we, notice the language we, we talk about this. It's not just you, like we, all of us. That's what we're getting after. So um, Yeah. Yep. With the people we, we interact with, that everybody in this church, somebody says, I know there's something different about you. I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, and it's even an opportunity. You know, can I say this as well? Because you, you were talking about, yeah, thanks, Dan. Um, I hope this as well is um, when it's not, you can actually be the first to ask forgiveness. Right? So you can, you can say, I'm really sorry that I treated you that way yesterday. That's not becoming of who I, who I am and what I'm supposed to, the way I'm supposed to be living. Would you forgive me? That's the gospel working out in your life. You see? So, repentance, faith. So, All right. Let's pray. You guys excited? Can I get out there? Go get them? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we 
Thank you for this opportunity again to think about sharing the gospel with an intention to persuade. Lord, we know that you are sovereign over every interaction that we're going to have this week. We pray that you would give us tact and wisdom and love as we engage with non-Christian, lost family members and friends and neighbors. Pray particularly for Dan's interaction on Thursday that, Lord, you give him uh, the right words and questions to ask that your spirit would guide that entire meeting. Lord, we do pray that we would be salt and light. May we never compartmentalize our faith. May we be people who are, look different because of the belief that we have. Lord, we pray that through this message and thinking about all this stuff called evangelism, Lord, we pray that you would save people this week and the next, that you'd use us to do that. Lord, we'd be, we would be the people that actually share the good news. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.